As we approach the Word of God, let's bow together in a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you for all that you have done. We thank you for this time of year that causes us to think about your goodness, to put uh, thanksgiving into our hearts, to remind us why we can be thankful. And I pray now as we approach your word that you indeed would produce gratitude in our hearts, that you might receive the praise. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Well, here we are coming to the end of 2020. Uh, Can you believe it? I mean, it's been both the quickest year on record and the slowest year on record. But uh, here we are coming to the close of the year 2020. And I think if I could think of one word to describe 2020, it would be disruption, right? Disruption. Just about everything in our lives and in our society has been disrupted. Disruption to a level we never thought we'd see in our lives and in our society. But as you know, this disruption has taken its toll on our nation, no doubt on the world as well. Of course, we know of all the physical effects, the things that make the headlines, that make the news, but there's also been psychological and emotional and spiritual effects that often aren't talked about. In June, the CDC did, uh, conducted a mental health survey, and they found that nearly one-third of American adults reported struggling with symptoms of anxiety and depression, which is more than double than 2019. And about one-tenth of U.S. adults said they considered suicide this year. On top of this, You have people trying to numb the pain in different ways, including with uh, drugs. A national database that tracks overdose deaths shows that in March, the number of overdose deaths jumped by 20% compared to March 2019. In April, it was a 33% increase, and in May, a 48% increase. Obviously, Americans are struggling to find joy in the midst of this disruption. By any estimation, 2020 has been a hard year. And even for those of us that know the Lord, we are not immune to the difficulty. We're not immune to the hardship. We've struggled this year too. In fact, some of you have had a hard year even if you take out all of the COVID disruption. Some of you have lost loved ones this year. Some have lost jobs, and as we know, we've all had our normal life disrupted. But in all of this, I want to ask you to evaluate yourself and ask, how have you personally fared in the midst of 2020, in the midst of the year of disruption? How are you doing deep down on the inside? In particular, would you say that you're thankful? Would you say you are grateful in your heart of hearts, to God right now. Well, oftentimes, the difference between being grateful and ungrateful is simply a matter of perspective. Consider the scenario of of being robbed, of having your possessions stolen. Could you find gratitude in a time of loss such as that? Well, I'm cheered by the Puritan Matthew Henry, who when he was robbed and his possessions were stolen, that evening he wrote the following in his journal. He says, Let me be thankful 
First, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Right? Finding gratitude in the midst of circumstances is all a matter of perspective. We need to learn to have radical gratitude, to be able to find gratitude in all and every circumstance. And I believe the Bible gives us the tools and the resources for us to be able to have that kind of radical gratitude. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, said this. He says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. These are hard words considering 2020. Give thanks in all circumstances, not some, but all for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to know God's will for you? God's will for your life? This is part of it, to give thanks in all circumstances. But how do we do that? How do we give thanks in all circumstances, particularly given this year? Well, for the remainder of this morning, I want us to consider how we can be radically grateful. I want us to consider three treasures in uh, in the possession of all Christians, which enable us to be radically th thankful. What is it that enables Christians, particularly, to be able to be so thankful, to obey the command, give thanks in all circumstances? It's because of three things that we have that enables us to be radically thankful. The first I want to draw your attention to is am our amazing salvation. Amazing salvation. Now, We've already been reflecting upon this truth for the this, this service this morning as we've been hearing God's amazing grace and salvation of these individuals who were baptized here this morning. But it's important for us to see this amazing salvation from the Word of God as well. And so I invite you to turn in your personal copy of God's Word to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the pew rack in front of you. I invite you to turn there as well. Paul opens this letter to the church in Ephesus by recounting all of the spiritual blessings that believers have in Jesus. In other words, he is describing the amazing salvation that Christians have. And we need to take notice this morning. Take notice of this amazing salvation that every Christian has. He's not just describing super-Christians. He's describing all who have placed their faith in Jesus. Let's look. Look at verse 3. He begins, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He tells us here that believers have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There's nothing withheld. Everything is available. All the spiritual blessings are given to believers. But notice that these blessings come to us through Jesus, has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Those who are in Christ receive these spiritual blessings. It all comes back to Jesus, the Christian life. All centers on him. All of our blessings come through him. Jesus was the greatest gift, and we 
can know God through him. Well, he goes on now to describe this amazing salvation, starting in verse 4. And particularly in verses 4 and beginning in verse 5, we see the first part of this amazing salvation is eternal selection. Eternal selection. That believers have been selected from eternity past. Look at verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us. Christian, before you were born, God chose you. Before you had done anything evil and done anything good, God selected you. God didn't look down the corridors of time and see you as a beautiful person. In fact, I like this quote from uh, the theologian John Calvin who says, when God elects us, it's not because we are handsome. Okay? God does not look upon something lovely in us and choose us because of that. In fact, it's uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 1, that Paul describes really how despicable and filthy we are. He says, in you, chapter Ephesians 2, verse 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the, the prince of the power of the air, that Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's who we were. And yet it's that, that kind of person that God selected and God chose. God chose us simply because of his great love, not because of something lovely in us. Now this reminds me of, uh, you know how artists will oftentimes uh, tell you the backstory of a song and how it was written. And uh, maybe you've had this experience where you've heard a great song and then you hear the backstory story from the artist of, of how they wrote the song and it made you love the song even more. You just connected with it all the more. Maybe the experience of it or whatnot. I think this is the backstory of the song of the Christian life. We love the fact that we are saved, praise God, but here we get to hear how God brought it about. That long before we were born, long before this world even existed, we were in the mind of God as he chose us. This amazing, this amazing choice of God. But look, verse 4, it says, why did he chose, choose us? That we should be holy and blameless before him. God selected us that we would have the character of Jesus so that we'd be holy and blameless. And if we're honest with ourselves, that's pretty amazing because if we look inside, we realize that we don't find holiness and blamelessness inside of us. We look in our past, we look in our histories, we see all sorts of blame everywhere. We're worthy of blame. And yet God chose us that we would be holy and blameless in Christ. How amazing. Is this not a great reason to be thankful that there's been an eternal selection of you before the foundation of the world? But Paul goes on, verse 5. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. We have not only eternal selection but loving adoption. In love he predestined us for adoption. This adoption, uh, we've been brought into the family of God. In other words, God didn't just pay our debt and say, okay, you had a debt against me and I'll pay it and you're good, now run along. He says, no, I've, I've, I've paid your debt and I want to invite you into my family. I want you, as we sang, right, have a seat at the table. That's the amazing reality of the gospel, of the salvation that we have. The theologian of the prior century, John Murray, wrote this. He says, adoption 
as the term implies, is an act of transfer from an alien family into the family of God himself. This is surely the apex of grace and privilege. J.I. Packer, beloved theologian who recently went home to be with the Lord, said this, Adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers, even higher than justification. We are brought into the family of God. In love, he predestined us. He chose us ahead of time for this. The, this should spark profound gratitude in our hearts, beloved, that we should know that God, in his love, set us apart, that we could be a part of his family. We didn't deserve that. As the Puritan Thomas Watson says, he says, since God has a son of his own, and such a son he is, how wonderful God's love in adopting us. We needed a father. He didn't need sons. He didn't need any children to be brought into his family. But we did need a heavenly father to adopt us, and that's exactly what he's done. Isn't this salvation amazing? But let's go on. Not only eternal selection and loving adoption, but complete forgiveness. Verse 7. Complete forgiveness. Look in verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Here we get the core and the heart of the gospel. As we, again, we have heard uh, these folks testify that it is because of Jesus and his sacrifice upon the cross, his blood that was shed there, that we are able to have redemption, that we are able to have forgiveness of our trespasses, of our sins. When Jesus died upon the cross 2,000 years ago, he took the punishment and the wrath for all those who would believe and trust in him. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have each turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The iniquity of us all was laid upon Jesus, and he bore that sin as he bore the wrath of God on our behalf. Second Peter 2, verses 22 through 24 says, He himself, being Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. We are made whole through Christ. By trusting in Jesus, we die to our sins, we die to our rebellion, and we now are live through Jesus. We live to righteousness. We're justified. Being justified means that God looks at us not in our own goodness, which is filthy rags, but now looks at us through the goodness of his son Jesus that is now placed upon us. It's like we put on the righteousness of Jesus and now we bear his robe and now God sees us in that beauty and that splendor. And that is why we're able to be welcomed to the table and into his family. Because of the generosity of Christ. Because of the, the payment he paid upon the cross. We need to keep this truth close to us, believer. If we're going to be grateful people in 2020, we need to remind ourselves of this. An old Puritan said this, said, be careful to keep the old receipts which you have from God for the pardon of your sins. There's a receipts that say, your debt's been paid. Keep those receipts close at hand so you can pull them out and go, yes, that's right. I, my sins are pardoned. We need to remind ourselves of that every single day. Because if we lose sight of forgiveness, then we will grow proud of heart. We'll lose our humble gratitude towards God. And we want to be grateful people. The next thing this passage describes about our amazing salvation is glorious grace. Glorious grace. We had skipped over verse 6 where he says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. 
And then in verse, end of verse 7, it says that this redemption, this forgiveness, the end of verse 7, according to the riches of his grace, which, verse 8, he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Grace. Grace, God's undeserved favor. Not only to undeserving sinners, but to ill-deserving sinners. Get that? God's grace to us is not just because we don't deserve it, but because we actually deserve something far worse. We deserve to be punished for our sins forever. We deserve wrath and condemnation. We have rightly, rightly sinned against a holy God. And yet, God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He lavishes us with grace. Why does he give it grace to us? Because we're in the beloved. That's what he says, verse 6, which he has blessed us, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, in Christ, the beloved Son of God. Because we are united to him, we receive the grace of God. Not because of any merit of our own, nothing that we can take pride in that we believed and we, we saw that Jesus was great and so we chose him. No, when, when you're redeemed by the gospel, you're brought to your knees in profound gratitude that God would open the, the eyes of the blind of such a hard and stubborn sinner. And I wanna, we all want to cling to our righteousness. We, we all want to think that we're good people. We don't like to admit that we're, that we're sinners, that we're deserving of wrath, but that's what the gospel brings us to when we realize who our holy God is that we're brought to our knees. We, and as you heard the testimony, they cry out and say, save me, O oh God. I can't save myself. That is the grace of God. But next we see in verses 9 and 10, the believers have a revealed plan. A revealed plan. Making known to us, Paul says, the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In, in salvation, there is a revealed plan. And verse 9 and 10 tells us that in Christ, through his word, the mystery of God's will has been revealed to believers. We can now know the whole story. We have the scriptures. We have the Bible. We, we know how this world began. We know how it's going to end. We know that Jesus the King will have ultimate victory. That he will return. He will vanquish his enemies. In his millennial kingdom, there will be, and then in the new heavens and new earth, the Lord will reign upon his throne on this earth, on this soil. And we look forward to that day when righteousness will be uh, cover the earth. We can be thankful that God has a revealed plan and he's revealed it to us in his word. The next piece of our salvation we see in this passage is a guaranteed inheritance. A guaranteed inheritance. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. We have an inheritance through Christ. Something to look forward to. A future reward that's waiting for us. And when we've believed in the truth and we've trusted in Christ, we've been given the Holy Spirit and we are sealed, we're locked in to know that that, that reward, that, that inheritance will be given to us. We can take it to the bank. We never have to doubt it because we're forever locked into God's salvation until we receive possession of it. From the beginning to end, our salvation is all of grace. Believer, do you realize that you have some of the greatest reasons to be thankful here in 2020? that these are eternal truths that are never going away. And be thankful that we are in Christ. 
Now, some of you are hearing my voice this morning, and you don't know Jesus. You don't know the joy of having these truths be true of you. And I want to tell you this morning that they can be yours today. If you would but repent of your sins and trust in Jesus. As, again, we've heard others were led to that. You heard it through testimony. Now you hear it through the Word of God that these truths, this forgiveness, this redemption, forgiveness of your sins can be forgiven today. You can go home a forgiven sinner this morning. If you would but humble your heart, recognize that you've sinned against a holy God, not standing in your own righteousness and in your own goodness, but trusting only in Jesus and saying, Jesus, you are the only way I can be saved. I cling to you. I trust you as the only way of salvation. I ask you, do you know if you were to die tonight and you were stand before God and he asked, why should I let you into my heaven? Do you know what you would say? Would you try to showcase your goodness that you've lived a good life? Would you try to compare yourself to other people and think that at least you have more righteousness than somebody else? Friends, I tell you, that doesn't work. We need a perfect record, absolute perfect righteousness. And it's only by trusting in Jesus, putting on his robes of righteousness, that we're able to stand there and say, I can be accepted in your heaven because I have trusted in your son who bore the wrath on my behalf. That salvation, this amazing salvation, again, can be yours today if you would trust and believe in Christ. We all will live forever. The only question is location. We live forever in heaven, in fellowship with God, or in hell, receiving the just uh, punishment for our sins. But the difference between those two locations is Jesus Christ. And you need to ask yourself, who are you going to trust more, you or Jesus? Who's more reliable, you or Christ? Who's more holy, you or Christ? Who's more righteous, you or Christ? Who's more powerful, you or Christ? The answer is Christ. Trust in him. Stop living life for your own way. It only ends in destruction. Well, this is the first treasure that we as believers have to help us to be thankful, and that is our amazing salvation. Let's briefly look with our time we have remaining at our final two treasures. The second is loving providence. The second treasure that Christians have as a resource to be able to pull from in order to be thankful in all circumstances is the fact of loving providence. Now, one of the reasons that people are having a hard time this year is that bad things are happening all around, right? They're, bad things are happening around them and to them, and it feels like the events of this world are spinning out of control, spinning out of control. But the Christian has the joy in knowing that this world is not out of control, these are not just a bunch of random molecules bouncing around and we have no idea where this pinball is going to land. We know the one who directs it all. God in his providence. Providence is the doctrine that God is simply continually involved in his creation. That God is not like a watchmaker that cranks it up, that made it, cranked it up and set it aside and it just ticks away by itself and he's off enjoying a vacation somewhere. No, God is intimately involved in the minute details of our lives. He's bringing history and this world all to completion as he has planned it from before the foundation of the world. He's in charge. He's in control. He sustains us. The very reason we're living and breathing right now is because God is sustaining us. 
And so we can give thanks in 2020 because we know this world is being directed by the sovereign, all-powerful hand of the Lord. He's always doing something. We don't know what that something might be, but we know he's always working. In fact, you, maybe you've heard the illustration of a tapestry, right? A sewn piece of artwork in which you look at the tapestry on the, on the, the, the museum wall and you see a beautiful picture. But if you were to flip it around, you would see a, a random mangled mess of thread on the other side. In fact, it would be hard to even make out what, a picture, what that picture might be. And this is a great illustration of how we understand things in this life. That God, the all-knowing, all all-wise, who stands above time and is even outside of time himself, is able to know the whole picture. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows what he's weaving, every single thread, every single time. But we are stuck in the middle of that backside, and we see this tangled tapestry, this tangled thread everywhere. We don't understand what's being constructed. We don't know how it's all going to come together. But we can trust the grand weaver. We can trust the one who's stitching it all together. And that gives us hope, it gives us confidence, and it makes us to be thankful here in a crazy year, in a crazy world. Because God directs his providence by his love. Here in Ephesians 1, verse 11, he says, In him we have attained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, get this, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Nothing falls outside his control. This is not just the big events of the world, like who wins elections or, or what, who comes to power. It pertains to the micro-events of our lives as well. In other words, get this, God works all things in your life according to the counsel of his will. In other words, God has worked all things in your life in 2020 according to the counsel of his will. Now, for some, this could say, wow, praise God, I'm so thankful that God is in control in all this craziness. But others are thinking, if God's in control, then why did this happen? Fill in the blank, right? Why did 2020 happen? Well, the Bible doesn't give us an answer for every single specific thing that takes place. But it does give us the assurance that God has not forgotten about us and that there is a purpose for what he's doing. It tells us that God is working all things for his glory and for our good. He hasn't forgotten about us. He's not, he's not, he hasn't forgotten to give us good things. He's working for our good. And this is what Romans 8, 28 through 29 tells us. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, what's the good for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Friends, this is a special promise for believers. This gives us sanity and clarity in crazy times. We can be certain that God is causing all things, even, get this, the bad things, even the painful things, to work for our good. What kind of good? It's the good of being conformed to the image of his son, you see, God doesn't just want us to be happy in a, in a temporal, short-term sense. He wants us to, be, to look like his son. And he's doing that amazing work in us and sometimes uses very painful circumstances to bring that about. The good is happening through God's hand. God can powerfully use all circumstances, even the disappointing, the evil ones, to be instruments in our sanctification, instruments in growing us to be like Jesus. 
Jerry Bridges, in his book, Respectable Sins, brings together the command of 1 Thessalonians 5.18 that we looked at earlier, right, to give thanks in all circumstances, and this verse about God working all things together for good, he brings them together in this way. He says, so in situations that do not turn out the way we hoped, we are to give God thanks that he will use the situation in some way to develop our Christian character. We don't need to speculate how he might use it, for his ways are often mysterious and beyond our understanding. So by faith in the promise of God in Romans 8, 28 and 29, we obey the command of 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 to give thanks in the circumstances, in all circumstances. So believer, we can be thankful because we know God is at work. God is at the helm and he's working all things for good. But we have one more treasure to consider this morning as we finish out our time. One more treasure. And that is a faithful church. A faithful church. We have an amazing salvation. We have loving providence at work in our lives. And a faithful church is a blessing and a treasure for Christians to steady our hearts and to give us gratitude in this time. You know, it's interesting. When you look at, survey the New Testament, and look at all the words for thanksgiving and thanks, the most uh, the highest amount is, is, is piled up for thanksgiving for what God is doing in other Christians' lives. When the Apostle Paul in particular, when he sets pen to paper, his gratitude is always overflowing for what God is doing in the church, what God is doing in people's lives. He can't help himself. As he witnessed the love and the hope of these people, he was just overjoyed with gratitude. Almost every letter he wrote he made it a point to start by talking about gratitude to God for that church. First, just, I, uh, let's see, First Corinthians 1 verse 4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Philippians 1, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, always, uh, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. In 1 Thessalonians 2, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, always uh, remembering before our God and Father the, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is so thankful for the work of God in the church. Now, later on in 1 Thessalonians, Paul's concerned that the church there would be disrupted by persecution. They, the church was born in affliction, Paul says, that they heard the word of God in the midst of persecution. It was not easy times for them to receive the, the Bible and to believe it. But even in the midst of that affliction, Paul hears that their faith is still standing. In Philippians, or uh, rather, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, he uh, Paul says, says but, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For we now live, he says, if you are standing fast in the Lord, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? Here's the thing. It's the faith and the love of the Thessalonians that causes Paul to give great thanks to God. Their doctrine was sound, and their relationships were sound. They were doctrinally standing upon the word of God. Their faith was sure, and their love was abounding. 
this is something to give thanks to God for. As we can look at a faithful church and see faith being strengthened and love abounding and Foothill Bible Church, can we not look back in 2020 and be thankful that God has preserved us through these days? That we indeed are able to stand firmly upon the, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. That we've remained faithful to the gospel of grace. That we have, we have uh, been steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And on top of this, we're taking care of one another. We love one another. We pursued one another. We prayed for each other. We've served each other. Our love has translated into deeds. We've all felt that. Now, we are not a perfect church. No church is. But by God's grace, we've been a fellowship that has stood for Christ and exhibited Christ in our relationships. And for this, it should give us thanks as we close out 2020. Be thankful for the church that God has given to us and God has made us to be. These, these are great treasures given to us. These treasures will never go away. God is for us. He's working in our lives. He's given us a spiritual family. These treasures will enable us to face the next day and face the next year, no matter what may come. Now, if you have been struggling with fear and anxiety uh, and depression, I encourage you to reach out. We want to help you. Don't struggle by yourself. We want to help you to find the joy and hope that's found in Jesus. I just say, again, if you don't know Jesus this morning, that these treasures can be yours as you go home today. You'll need only to repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus and know the amazing salvation that we have in Christ. Don't leave today without dealing with these matters of your soul and of eternity. Let's bow together in gratitude to God. Our Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the salvation that you have given to us that we did not earn, that we could never uh, perform on our own, that we could never have achieved. We thank you that you are at work in our lives using every single event to help us to be conformed into the image of your Son. And we thank you that you have made Foothill Bible Church to be a church that stands upon your word and that manifests the love of Christ in relationships with one another. We pray that you'd help us to excel still more in these things. May you produce gratitude in our hearts in such a way that gives glory to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.